Spread number love all over the globe. It's the Vibe Show Podcast with your boy Kano the Don, the Vibe King. And we have a special guest joining us on the show today, man. This is uh this is huge, man. This is huge. I'm talking about world-renowned music producer, entrepreneur, the one and only Kato, the producer. <laughs> what it do, baby? What's going on, man. I appreciate you having me on. That was a hell of an intro, too. Yo, man. Let me tell you something. It's definitely an honor to have you on our show, man. And I want to thank you before we even get started with anything. Because I know you you know, you know, have a super busy schedule. And I just want to thank you for me and the Vibe team, man, for uh, gracing our platform, man, with your greatness, man. Of course. It's all good, man. I appreciate you. Yo, man, like... You know, you know what I, I just... I find that, that that's amazing, man. Not only um, are you a producer... But to me, you 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 you're sort of like a um, a entertainment teacher, a producer teacher as well, because like you really like giving the game to all the ones that that want to receive it, man. And and I really think that um, that's that's something that's huge. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's needed. You know, I um, it's funny because I never really saw myself being on on that side of the business just like trying to trying to teach others about the music business but right it kind of just happened out of me getting more active on on social media and just starting to post like more of my experience because really like it all just started with me telling my story and my experiences and i saw that it was resonating with a lot of people right um and so I, I felt like I needed to keep going because it was it was helping a lot of people, you know, with their own situations and just in general understanding the music business as a whole. Right. Now, I, I think that it's dope what you're doing. And um, I really feel like it's necessary because, you know, I produce as well. And um, I, I really feel like it's it's really, really necessary because... You know, not knocking a lot of the producers out there, but um, every everybody, I don't think a lot a lot of people really know um, the fullness of um, being a producer. You right. know what I mean? But before we dive into all all the meat and potatoes, man, I want to um, I, I would like to give the listeners a little bit of history on you because. It's a lot, man, and and you you have accomplished a lot, and it's been a long journey for you. And I thought that it was really really interesting, um, and and really really inspiring to me as well. Your story. I would like to uh, go back a little bit. Um, we could go back to let's 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 go back to like 2006 a little bit. So you originally from um, Fairfax, Virginia? Yes, sir. Yep, Fairfax, VA. Awesome man. Like what 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 were you doing like before um production, before producing? Like what was Cato doing then? Man <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was a I was uh just struggling to get through school. Um I knew that from pretty early on that school wasn't really my thing and 
I never got good grades in school. I'm like the worst Asian stereotype you'll ever meet, bro. Come on, man. You know, I never got good grades in school. Uh, I got expelled from high school and... Um, you know, I got into a little bit of trouble just just being a young kid and and naive. Right. Uh, but, like all like all of us. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Trying and, to figure uh, it out. And so when I discovered music and, and production in particular in college, uh, that's when I kind of found, felt like I found my calling. You know, and and that's when it re- really started. I just got my my hands on a on a cracked version of FL Studio and just started making beats. And I was rapping at the time, too. Um, and so I would just rap on my own beats and put out projects. And, and then I just happened to end up in, in Atlanta. And uh, that's when things really started to pick up. And I started going out and meeting, you know, all these new artists and producers and people kind of in the underground Atlanta hip-hop scene. And they would help me you know, just connect the dots and um, eventually ended up getting signed with an artist that I was working with at the time named Jerem Benton, who I still work with to this day. Right. Uh, you know, we pretty much came up together. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, that's that's really how it all started, and it just kind of snowballed from there. You know, like, I, I, I want to um, wanna go back to Virginia, um, and I want to know, like, what was the what was the music scene like um then you know at that age that that you were in Virginia what was the music scene then and and what really um catapulted that inspiration for you to really like fall in love with hip hop See I wasn't making music when I was in Virginia like I was I was probably like a 16 17 year old kid in high school and, you know, I was in band, so I played percussion uh, in my school band. Right. I hadn't picked up hip-hop production at that point. Right. It wasn't until college when uh, I went to school in Philly for a year. That's when, like, the whole kind of Philly hip-hop scene and, like, just the underground, like, boom-bap indie hip-hop scene really, really kind of took over my life and, and my influences uh, so I was like listening to DJ Premier, Jay Dilla, um, and then like all that grimy, like underground Philly hip hop uh, and Dr. Dre. I was listening to a lot of Dre's production. And so, you know, all of that just kind of inspired me to start making beats. And um, so all my early beats sounded like either Dre or Dilla or Primo, you know? And then I <laughs> right, to- right. And then I moved to Atlanta, and and that even that fucked up my whole sound. It was like <laughs> South movement, and like you know, I was just like trying to put everything together and find my own sound, and it was it was a beautiful thing, man, because I I felt like I feel like that's what really contributed to the sound that I have today. Right. Um, just all my different influences, uh, and and creating, making it my own. You know. Right. Now. Now moving from from Virginia um, to Atlanta, I already know that that was a huge shift in in, in the culture, like oh, you yeah. said, like with the music. So, um, did did you have connections there, or had uh, people there, or you just decided, yo, um, Atlanta is on the come up, 
that's that's where I need to be if I plan on being in this uh, entertainment business. Man, to be real with you, I had no plans on on moving to Atlanta. I just happened to end up there because uh, my family at the time, my dad was in the restaurant business, so um, he purchased a restaurant like kind of north of Atlanta, and so. I was in school at the time, and I just felt like it wasn't really working for me. So right. I decided, you know what, I'm going to drop out, and I'm going to just move back home. So I moved to Atlanta, where my family was. And um, I'm going to be real with you. Like, I really wasn't into the down south like movement at the time. Because like, back then, it was like, it was snap music. Right, and, right. And uh, there was kind of like that stigma of southern hip-hop you know, kind of muddying the waters of hip hop a little bit. And right. like, the South was kind of in its own bubble. It wasn't Absolutely. how we know hip hop music to be today, where, you know, nine out of 10 artists are coming from Atlanta now. Uh, you know, the South was kind of in their own bubble. And right. so I was a part of like one of the people looking from outside of that bubble. And then I happened to end up, you know, inside the bubble <laughs> um, that was a really like kind of weird, confusing time for me. Right. Uh, but eventually, man, it's, it was just like, you know, Atlanta became my home and I just embraced it because it forced me to kind of open up my mind as far as like what I considered great music. Right. And so once I was a part of that, you know, it just it just took over. Now, let me ask you this. Um and and might I add, I'm, I'm a huge fan of your production as well. All of your work, man. I think that you're one of the greats. And um, my thing is, like, at at what point did you, um, you know, did you take any classes or you were kind of self-taught? I'm self-taught all the way, bro. I mean, with the exception of me being in my high school band and, you know, I took drum lessons when I was in elementary, middle school. Um, you know, my dad signed me up for drum lessons, so I have that, that basic foundation of, of just, like, rhythm. Right. Um, but outside of that, like, I don't know how to read music. I was never classically trained. Like, I never was was formally taught any, any real, real form of, of how to play music. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm a hundred percent self-taught, bro. I play by ear. Wow. Now, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm the same, like I, I could totally relate cause I'm, I'm the same as well. And, um, seeing, seeing so many different genres of, of music and seeing the culture change so many times, um, a few decades in, you know, but I, I you know, the era that I, um, fell in love with music, I think was one of the uh, dopest times, you know, around the Fat Boys, um, break, in, break dancing was in full effect then. Um, it just kind of like, you know, I just fell in love with, with everything that embodied hip-hop. Right. You know, um, now, when did you start to figure like, you know, yo, I want to um, kind of develop my own style um of of production because yeah. you know we all gonna always kind of take something from from you know a lot of the great some of the new people uh, you know it's like it, to me you know 
it, it's it's all about the recycle. You right. know, that's what music is. It's, it's not really too much original um, material out there. I think everybody takes something from from something. You know, right. it, it definitely definitely if you wanted the greats, I mean, you 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 know, everybody is inspired by something. What what was that thing that that really like made you like you know what I want to try to um, I've I've mastered making beats, but I want to start to implement my own um, something that could set me apart to separate me you know from production because you have you you have a different style man like to me. Thank you. Yeah, you know what's funny is like. When I think of any great producer, whether it's Dre or Pharrell or Zaytoven or Premier, I always think about an artist that they were attached to, that their sound was attached to. Right. And I think that's a true testament to what helps craft a producer's sound. Um, and for me, it was no different. You know, when I moved to Atlanta and I met Jaron and started working with him, he had a very distinct sound of his own. And so for my sound to just mesh with his, right. it kind of created, uh, it cre- it created a, a, a whole different kind of vibe. And so I really credit, like, for any producers that are watching or listening to this right now, I think the one of the best things that you can do to develop your sound is attach it to an artist, is to work with one or two artists that you really like, that um, that you believe in, right. and create a sound together. Because it's really, really hard, like you said, for a producer to just create a whole different kind of vibe on your own. Um, I think most of the time when that happens, it's because an artist comes along and helps kind of brand that unique sound, you know? Right. Uh, so I think that process is really, really important for producers, for upcoming producers. Right. I, I definitely, um, I, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, it just kind of amazes me when, when people, you know, really um, kind of feel like they, they like an original, you know what I mean? Like, because it's like... Right. You know, you know how you 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 will hear something that that was produced by a producer, and um, man, it's just like the greatest thing ever. And then it's like you know you could be just you know because I, I don't I don't really listen to the radio too much, but you know every now and then I'll you know I'll zone out, see what's out there or whatever, and um, and I might jump on some oldie stations or something like that. And yo, man, it's like you'll hear something, and you like yo, like. You know, I just be just crushed like, yo, I really thought this was original. Like, yo, this was already done. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, there, there are like generations where sounds kind of fall out of style for a little bit, but they always come back. Like right. The whole music industry, it's, it's cyclical. Everything comes back in some way, shape, or form, or fashion. Um, it might be slightly tweaked in a way or or kind of like updated right um in terms of like sonics and and what what instruments are being used or what uh you know what tempos um but everything has been done before it's just it's just reinvented in some way throughout different 
throughout the generations. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's really, really hard to be completely, almost impossible to be completely 100% unique. Right. Now, I want to know, like, are you, are you, are you a big fan of uh, sampling? I sample, uh, but I, I've kind of stayed away from sampling. Like, I stay within the legal realms of sampling because there's so many resources now for producers like Splice um, and just the number of, like, sample packs that are out there on the internet for, for producers to use. Right. Uh, so I kind of go to that side of sampling, um, and I try to stay away from, you know, sampling records and crate digging, the, the traditional form of sampling, just because there's a lot of uh, legal hoops to jump through um, if, you, if you're not getting those samples cleared. So, right. you know, I, my go-to is splice these days. At, at what point... At what point did you did you realize? Because um, I thought I thought something was 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 super dope, man. That you broke down. It was a story about your pops, man. And like I say, if if anybody is not following you, that's a producer or trying to be a producer or, or, or anything, um, they're, they're a complete idiot. Um, and and I do mean that because, like, you know, when people actually take the time to actually want to give game away and i do highlight give because a lot of people don't like to share information in, in these times that we're living in right now so when you find somebody that is willing to share information from an inside perspective not just guesstimating but from a inside experienced point of view right. you would almost be crazy to not want to receive that information to you know, make you better on your path and um, kind of steer you away from uh, a lot of uh, pitfalls, you know. Right. But what, what I thought real, was real interesting was um, how you broke down the story about your pops, how he kind of, you know, was a part of that molding and you didn't didn't really understand it at the time because he had you doing a lot of jobs and different things for free. Could you, yeah. could you could you break that down for me, man? I really, really love that, and I really got a lot from that when you said that it really touched me. And I would like to um, for you to reiterate that that to the listeners. Yeah. I mean, I remember very early on, just as a kid, you know, my, my, my pops, my dad would always try to put me in situations where I could learn things from people. Um and, you know, me as a kid, I was, I didn't understand that concept. I didn't understand how important knowledge and experience was and learning from people. Um, and ultimately what he was trying to do was to teach me those lessons early on so that I wouldn't make the same mistakes, right. you know. Um, and I felt like, you know, I didn't realize it until later on in my life that he was doing that because... You know, he had made a lot of mistakes in his life, and he'd had a lot of experiences, both in business and, and his personal life. And uh, as a parent, all you want to do is see your, your child do better than you. Right, so, absolutely. Uh, I think it's really, really important. That translates to any aspect of life, 
business, everything. I think it's really important to just learn as much as possible. Um, learn things from people that you think you might not even be able to learn anything from. Right. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're in your field or if they're in your industry. Um, there's always something that you can take away from having a conversation with someone or being in an experience where you're working a job. Like I remember, you know, I, I definitely had some like when I was trying to juggle the music uh, and, and a regular nine to five job, you know, I had all kinds of like kind of side hustles and jobs. Um, I remember working for Aero Exterminators. Uh, I taught martial arts, you know, <laughs> go figure, I'm Asian, right? So right. I taught martial arts for like a couple years. And, uh, you know, my dad was always just trying to push me to try different things and to work for different people and, and just put me in different experiences so that I could learn things. Right. And I'll say, like, a lot of those lessons that I learned from doing that 100% applies to what I'm doing now in the music world. Um, so, you know, for any upcoming artists or producers listening to this, like, if you're in a shitty sales job that you don't like, just realize that there's probably a lot that you can learn from that sales job that will translate into the music world because you got to, you know, music, the music industry is really 25% music and 75% marketing and sales and knowing how to present yourself and branding. So um, if you can learn those lessons outside of the music industry and bring it into what you're doing, it's only going to make you a, a better entrepreneur and a better musician, in my opinion. I agree with you on that. Um, why do you think that a lot of um, newer producers, um, why do you think that they are not getting the momentum that they are trying to get? Because I see a lot of producers, um, you know, they're always posting their videos on Instagram, um, their, their, their production, um, videos and stuff like that or whatever. Um, do you think that that's effective or, or do you think that that's just not the way to go? You know, I think it can work. I think anything can work in 2019. I think it can work if you are, you know, just posting a lot of, uh, beat content like just posting videos of you making beats, I think it can work if you approach it from a more entertainment standpoint and you're like sampling different sounds and creating entertaining videos for your audience. I think it can work if you're doing what I'm doing and just speaking on your experiences and the music business side. I think literally anything in 2019 can work. I think it's just a matter of how much work are you putting in how consistent are you and what do you know about the business and entrepreneurial side? Because I think that's where a lot of producers fall short um, because they're looking at it like, yo, I want to be the next murder beats or I want to be the next Metro Boomin. Right. And the reality is like, there's only one Metro Boomin. There's only one murder beats out of millions of producers, but you can be yourself and still make a great living if you know what the fuck you're doing. Right. If you know how to be an entrepreneur, if 
you know how to run a small business, then you can be successful just making, you know, $100,000, $200,000 a year just being totally independent and entrepreneurial and not having any billboard songs. You know what I mean? Right. It's just all about, like, you got to understand that you're a small business and not everyone has to be the next Drake or, or Metro, you know? Right. You can be yourself and... Um, and you can make a great living doing it without, without being at the, without being, I guess, what people would consider the, the number one or the hottest producer right now. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, in two thousand six, you released um, K, the Cato EP. Um, yeah. What was uh, what was the the inspiration for that, and um, why the self title? Man, you did your research. <laughs> uh. Uh, yeah, the Cato EP was pretty much my first, like, project. That was my first kind of what I was considering my, my debut as a producer and as a rapper because I not only produced all those beats, but I was rapping on every single track. And I think there were, like, six tracks on that project. So I remember, you know, I got a bunch of hard copies pressed up, um, and MySpace was popping at that time, so right. I put all my music on MySpace, and uh, I would just go to, like, the local mall. I would go to the local open mics and showcases in Atlanta, and I'd just start passing out CDs, and, and you know, that's how we were doing it in 2006 to get your music out there. Like, there was no Instagram. Twitter wasn't, I can't remember if Twitter was around back then. No, nah, it, it wasn't. wasn't a thing. It wasn't. Um, yeah, and, and so it was really just, like, more about word of mouth and, uh, you know, kind of building, like, an organic foundation fan base, right. you know? And so... I miss that grind, oh. man. I missed... I, I really, like... I Because, re you know, it was more... Not to cut you off, man, excuse me, but, like, just hearing you, it just brought me back to a place. I really missed that part, man. Like, I really missed that because it was more interaction with people Yeah. at that time. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it was more interaction with people. It was more hand-to-hand. -hand. It was more like the, it was more like the grind, you know, that yeah. physical grind, man. I, I just, I missed though. I missed that, man. It was a real grind. Like, yeah. if y'all think that social media is hard in 2019 imagine without social media like what you had to do to get on like what you had to do you really 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 had to kind of rely on on your music right more <laughs> absolutely you had to be you, you had to be dope music. man we don't even need to fake it with them like you had to have some man, good product period give you the time of day packaging everything i mean uh you know you just you just had to be dope man like i had some good music because people was just like man yeah it was oh. hard it was hard and you know what i think that in that time and era i think that um you know to me i just feel like i just missed that i i, I missed that era man like i think that that with with today mixed in with today, I think that um, it's just absolutely amazing because like around that time, man, 
everybody kind of had their own identity. You know, with everything. Everybody had their own identity. Everybody was trying to be original. Nobody was really following trends. Like everybody was inspired by somebody to to get into it or to you know, but everybody always kinda came in with their own style. Yeah, it was definitely a different approach to, to get on quote unquote get on in the in the music industry back then because you you really like everyone wanted to be different like you you didn't start making music uh to to be like someone else right you know like you you really had to take pride in being authentic and original and having your own sound um and that's what like to me that that was the dopest part about music in that era is like everyone who was on and and popping like they had their own unique authentic sound and it was dope, you know. Right, like, exactly, it was, it, exactly. Everyone who was on at that time was was fucking dope. So, um, you know, it was definitely a, a different era. But I like a lot of artists today too. So, right. Um, I can't I can't take away anything from from the artists that are doing their thing today. Uh, it was just a different era, you know. Right. Do you think that? Um, why do you think a lot of a lot of producers fail. Man. With really making that connection with artists because a lot of producers they 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 put out a lot of material on Instagram, Facebook, they're promoting, they might have a a, a Drake promotion cover and 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 maybe a you know Drake inspired um track or whatever but like you know like why do you think that 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 never really gets no farther than like a couple people chiming in with the fire emojis like yo that's tight um you know what i'm saying like dope whatever but it's never like you know yo let me buy that beat man how much that beat is right i i think in 2019 because the space is so crowded you really have to understand how to build a brand because those are the producers that are winning. Right. It's not the ones necessarily that have the dopest beats. It's the ones that understand how to market those beats and how to build a brand. So if you're not doing that in 2019, it's damn near impossible for you to just cut through the noise. Right. So um, to build an audience online, I think is, is, probably the most important factor in you becoming successful in in the modern music business and you know you can love it or hate it but that's just the way it is like when there's a million other people trying to do the same thing as you and the barrier of entry into the game is so low like any producer can start uploading their beats and open a beat store right that doesn't mean that you're going to be successful that just means like there's a million other people in line to take your spot. So if you're not doing something inherently different, then you're just going to lose, you know? So, Absolutely. Um, I think in 2019, it's just a branding and a marketing game. Cause there are producers out there that you've never even heard of right. that are making a quarter of a million dollars a year selling beats online because they know how to build a brand, you know? Right. And obviously you still have to have great music, um, because that's our product at the end of the day. But 
like I said, if you don't understand how to take that product and get it to the masses, then you're you're going to lose. Right. Software, software or hardware um, or both? Uh, you know what? I'm a I'm a software kind of guy. I've ever since I got my hands on FL Studio back in back in 2006, like it was all software for for me uh, from that day on. Right. And um, was that was that mainly because of conveniency being able to move around because you travel a lot, you're connecting with. You know, you're networking, you're working, you're moving around. Was it, was it, is it, is that coming from a conveniency space or is that just your preference? Yeah, I think it was convenience because I was a broke college student and I couldn't afford to buy hardware. Right. So, you know, I was just, I, I had no other option. I had to use software because it was the cheapest option and it was easy. Um, so I kind of stuck with that throughout the years, you know? Right. How 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 is how important is it for um, a producer to really really add as much as they can? Because I remember I remember you saying on on one of your clips you were saying like don't it's not really good in today's time to really like overdo it as far as when you're developing um tracks you know with putting too much in it because right. i mean is that coming from a space of because you know the way that the game is right now that it's it's the game is kind of like simple you know everybody's kind of like you know what i mean like you know let's get in get out you can't really like you know bore them for too long let's just kind of like you know keep it simple um what like what's your perspective on that you know i think a lot of times producers and i understand the the mentality when producers are in the studio and we're making beats we our our nature is to just make the track sound as full as possible mm -hmm. because we're not uh, a lot of times especially if you're a new producer you're not remembering that at the end of the day you're making tracks for artists right so the vocal is going to be the final instrument arguably the most important instrument that you're going to add to the track right but a lot of new producers forget that and they end up overproducing and adding too much in the in the beat right and so if you're if you're adding all these instruments and then you're creating all these leads and it's filling out the track, then there's nothing an artist can do. And so when you play that beat for an artist, they're not able to hear themselves on the track because there's so much other shit going on. Right. So I I always talk about not overproducing from that perspective because I've been in the studio you know, for so many years working with all these different artists and, uh, the, you know, it's just through experience. Like, artists don't want to rap on tracks that have too much going on. Right, They want to be able to hear their voice and what they can do on it, how, how they can finish painting that picture. Um, so I think that's where it comes from. Now, if you're producing tracks for... Uh, and the same goes if you're producing tracks for like music licensing, right? Um, because even if your beats are placed on on TV, nine times out of ten, it's going to be in the background when someone is is talking, 
Right. So there's still going to be vocals on the track. And so you'll find that a lot of these music licensing guys, these sync licensing guys, will ask for tracks like kind of stripped down with not a lot going on. So if you listen to, if you watch like reality TV or if you watch like commercials, you'll notice like a lot of these tracks don't have a lot going on in them. Um, and so I always think it's just better to, to leave them a little bit more open um, with the artist in mind. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I used to be guilty of that myself, man. I just always felt like I'm missing something. I'm missing something. <laughs> exactly. And, and when you, you know? feel like you're missing something, you are. But the problem is it's the vocals. And so you just need to find an artist who can finish the track. You know, It's not right. that you need to add more shit. Uh, it's that the the missing element are the vocals. That's right. All. You know, um, with you being on the other side um in the entertainment business, man, I, I want to ask you um, from what, from where you started from and um, the way that the game is from that era to the current era right now, from a business perspective, um, you've seen the game change several times. The business is uh, a little different now, a lot of change-ups. Um, how do you feel, you know, about the atmosphere of the business game from a production perspective? I think it goes back to what I said about producers. Um, I think it's moving towards a branding game. You know, not not to say that the music is not important because it still is, but uh, you have to understand that this is a business, right? And so it's you know I I used to be guilty of that too. I used to think that. It was just all about the music. And if I had the best music, if I had better music than everyone else, then I would make it. You right. Know? And that's wrong. It's, that's, not, that's not how it works. Uh, you can be the best musician, producer in the world, but if no one knows about you, if you haven't built a presence or an audience online, right. then you pretty much don't exist in this world, you know? Um, so the the reality is like you just you have to focus a lot on on the marketing and the branding side to, to make it in 2019. You have a um you have a body of production credits. Let's can we can we touch on production credits the importance of of production credits um and how to earn um production credits? Yeah, you know, I think I think getting placements with artists is largely a, a networking game. Um, it's like how many how many hands are you shaking on a daily basis? How many people are you talking to? How many studios are you getting into? How many managers? How many artists? How many other producers? Because what I think one thing a lot of producers fail to realize is like a lot of these placements are happening through collabs with other producers. If you read the production credits on a lot of big records, they got multiple producers on there. Absolutely. Songwriters. And so networking with other producers, I think, is really, really important, really key if you're trying to get placements. Um, but, you know, the whole placements game is, is it's hard. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. It's really hard because everyone's trying to do it. But I think one of the best things you can do is, 
network with people on on your level or maybe a little bit higher. Uh, so aim for like those artists. If you have, you know, 10,000 Instagram followers, let's say, as a producer, right. start reaching out to artists that have 10,000 to 20,000 followers. Uh, don't go for like, the Drakes of the world with like 5 million to 10 million followers. (laughs) Right. That's just not going to happen. Right. Uh, So, you know, I think you got to be smart. You got to be self-aware. You got to realize like this is, this is a networking game. This is a people's game. Um, And so you got to be doing your part to make sure you're, you're shaking as many hands as possible, building as many relationships as possible. Um, You know, it's really, it's really, very similar to every other business in the world. Right. At what point did um, you say to yourself, like, well, let me ask you this. At what point did you start to actually make a living off of it, off of off of your production, um, and really start to brand yourself and and started start to be noticed at what point did that did that take place i i didn't start making a comfortable living off of my music until my mentality switched from i'm a producer to i'm an entrepreneur that just so happens to be good at making music Ah. once that change happened for me that's when everything changed. That's when my business started moving up. That's when I started selling more beats online. It, it changes, you know, it's a big mentality shift um, to think of yourself as someone who just makes music versus an entrepreneur or a business person that, that just so happens to make music, you know, because the decisions that you make from that point forward are taking uh, – taking the business into consideration. Um, And before, that's something that I wasn't doing. I was just thinking about, you know, what's the best for my music. And a lot of times that that thinking is driven by ego and it's driven by just the kind of like a dreamer's mentality. And I think it's great to be a dreamer, you know, but I think you also have to be realistic about your situation and what position you're in, you know? So if you have nothing going on in your career, then you're not in a position to make great business decisions at the end of the day. <laughs> right, right. So uh, you got to realize, like, it's it's a business, man. Like, if you're thinking about yourself as just someone who makes music, I would encourage you to start thinking of yourself as an entrepreneur first. And right. I, I promise you that's going to change a lot. With working with um, so many artists in the game um, and with you being able to produce on on all different levels, um, what's your favorite genre of music to produce in? Is it R&B? Is it kind of a mixture or you just work? I think it's largely dependent on who I'm working with, you know, I think I I feed off of other people's energy. So if I'm in the studio with an artist that 
knows how to rap, but also knows how to put melodies and and uh, and top lines together. Right. That's going to inspire me to take my production in a different direction. You know, I'm not just going to give them beats that you can just rap on. I'm going to give them like a little bit more melodic shit. Right. You know, stuff that they can play with vocally and and lay some melodies and do different kinds of stuff. So. I think it really depends on who I'm in the studio with, um, but but I'm a firm believer in not in in not stopping the things that got you to where you are today. And for me, that was working with rappers, with lyricists, right. you know, people who know how to tell stories, people who know how to you know just put their words together in a way where it paints a picture, like. Those are the those are the guys that really still inspire me to this day, and if you can if you have a skill set beyond that, then I think that's even better. Wow. If um, what what has been throughout your career? What has been um one of your worst experiences? Um, it may be working with um a particular artist, or we don't have to say that name, but just the experience part of it alone and you're like, yo, I'm never um, dealing with that again like that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. There's a lot. There's a lot of... I've been through a lot of bad experiences over my career. Yeah. Um, You know, they range from just like fucked up tour stories when I was on tour, just like drinking too much and going going too hard uh, and then paying for it the next day, right. having to move city to city and, you know, there's that kind of stuff. And then there's, uh, and then there's like, there's those memories like very early on in my career where I just didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Right, right. Um, and so I just made those mistakes, you know. Um, not checking in with the the show promoters when I was doing an open mic and I didn't get to perform. Like, I remember that was one of the most crushing feelings uh, that I've ever experienced. You know, I was all, I was a kid, like I was all excited. I just started making music and it was my first show. And I didn't know that when you went to like a showcase or an open mic that you had to check in with the promoter so that you <laughs> right. were there. And, you know, I, I didn't know that. So right. I got to the show and I was just like watching people perform one by one and jumping off the stage. And pretty soon, like before you know it, hours had gone by and the last guy, you know, they were, they were, they were making the last call. And, uh, I was like, well, damn, I, I didn't get to perform. What's going on? And, um, and they let me know, like, oh, you didn't check in with the promoter, so sorry, <laughs> you know. And, <laughs> right. And I just didn't get to perform. Oh my god, Are you serious, it was, man? It was a crushing feeling for me. I was, I was embarrassed. I was uh, upset. I was angry. I was frustrated. Right. And um, you know, I remember. I still remember how that felt to this day, man. So. You know, between then and now, that's been over 12 years. I've had all kinds of experiences. Um, you know, I've, I've taken more L's than, than than wins. But it makes the wins taste that much better when, when you've been through all those L's, you know? Right. 
with the level that you're on right now, all of your accomplishments, your failures, um, all of the lessons that were learned, um, what keeps you motivated? What keeps Cato motivated um, and so inspired to, to keep on going, but in the midst of it all, still try to educate? I think, you know, musically, what keeps me motivated is collaborating with other artists and other producers. Um, you know, and I'm thankful at this stage in my career, I don't have to force any sort of creativity. Right. Just, just to pay the bills, you know? Right, right. I'm, I'm in a position where I can create when I want to, when I feel inspired, ultimately, whether that's through an artist or through another producer. Um, I might hear something that just like, yo, that's, that's dope. Like, I want to do something with that. Um, and it could be something that simple. Uh, but as far as like progressing my overall career, um, I've discovered that I'm, I'm really driven by, by the entrepreneurial side. Like right. I almost enjoy that a lot more time than the music side. Right. Uh, why is that though? Why is that though? Can we can we touch on that? Like, why is that? Is it is it because um, less heartache, less um, like why why is it that like you're 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 driving more, you're 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 happier on you know when doing that that side of it. You know, I'm driven by the challenge of of being an entrepreneur and doing something different. You know, Got you. Uh, creating a business and trying to scale that business, like figuring out what works and what doesn't work. Um, you know, it can be frustrating at times. It can be, uh, it definitely comes with its own sort of set of pressure, but I'm driven by that. Right. You know, at the end of the day, if you're not driven by that kind of pressure to, to do something dope, right. then I don't think the music business is for you, you know? whether whether it be musically or or business side so um yeah i don't know i'm just i'm driven by the challenge of just being a better entrepreneur i guess so i'm i constantly have new goals that i'm that i'm aiming for uh and that's you know the business that i've built is in the music education space so right. all the content that i post on my instagram like that's shit that I'm talking about to other entrepreneurs and artists and producers on a daily basis. Man, I love it. So it's man. nothing for me to talk about it to my hundred and you know seventeen thousand Instagram followers. Yeah. Like that's that's something that I do on a daily basis. So it's become a part of my business and a part of my my journey as an entrepreneur and music producer. And it's greatly, uh, greatly appreciated as well, man. I, for one, I really, really appreciate um, those inspirational videos. Like I say, I learned something from from all of it. You know, every time you, you post something, I think that you are inspiration. And I think that you taking a different path with, you know, adding that on to the brand. I just have to tip my hat off to that because a lot of people don't do that. Once they receive information and get on the other side, they, mm -hmm. they tuck that information. And I think right. that that's, um, I think that really separates you from the rest. And that's what kind of in, you know, interest me 
along with the great production, along with all of the other accomplishments that you've accomplished that that's, you know, inspiring. But that right there stands out and it really says a lot about who you are as a person and your character, you know, and what you represent. And I think that that's that's super dope about you, man. And I think that that's going to carry you on to the next millennium. Thank you. I appreciate that, bro. But and, and let me say this about, you know, my, my knock on the on the crabs in a barrel type of mentality is that it does it does you no good by holding on to that information. Um, and and more so, I'll say, like, if you can help other people with that information. Right. Why wouldn't you want to do that? I know. Right. So, it just it just says a lot about I think the type of person that you are if you're if you're holding on to something that can help other people um, and and here's the thing like just because you give someone that information doesn't mean that they're gonna do shit with it <laughs> you know, <laughs> know right <laughs> uh, because you can give someone all the game all the free all the free game all the knowledge in the world but that doesn't that that person still has to go and execute on those things exactly the work is not going to get done by itself right you know? so you know it, it just doesn't make sense to me why would you why hold on to that information like give it to people help people uh you know and hopefully there are people that are going to be able to use that information and apply it to their own lives and to their own careers right and and I think that's a great thing. Like that's not that's not competition to me. That's just that's just you helping other people grow. That's exactly. And how and dope is that? That's true, really like, kind of like the payoff. That's that's kind of like you know what I mean. Like that kind of like a little bit more you know than money. The money's necessary, but I mean at the same time that feeling, man, you can't really you can't pay for that feeling. And I think that was one of the great things about. Nipsey Hustle, you know. Oh my God, Nip, yeah, man. But you know, Rest Nip was man. one of those dudes who you talk to anyone that was kind of in his circle, mm -hmm. and they they'll tell you like that he was always trying to put them on game, like trying to trying to help guide them, trying to help them better themselves and put themselves in situations where they could be successful. Right, and that is the true testament to his legacy, in my opinion, and that's why he's. He's going to be, you know, very, very much missed, like greatly missed in our community because because of what he stood for, you know. Right. And I think that's the great thing about Nip and and other any other successful entrepreneur in in the music industry. Um, they're not stingy with what they know. Like they they will openly help other people to to be successful. Damn it, Cato, man. You know we going to have to do this again, man. You know, you already know we going to have to do You know what, man? I, I think that, you know, we're going to have to chop it up, man. And we, we might have to make this a little ritual, man. Like maybe once a month or twice a month or something like that. Because I just feel like it's just we, 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 we're not even touching the, the rim of, of everything, man. You know, I, before we run out of time, I, I want to um, always um, 
can you put your social platforms out there, man, for people to actually, because it's, it's necessary. Ways that people, that um, inspiring producers, anybody that's looking for some wisdom, some knowledge, um, at no cost, man, like, you know, can you put your social platform and ways that people can connect with you out there, my brother? Definitely. Um, you know, if you can reach me on all my socials, at Kato Producer, K-A-T-O Producer, all one word. Uh, I post a lot of, like, music business-related stuff for upcoming artists, producers, anyone trying to get in the music business on my Instagram page. Uh, and also follow at Music Entrepreneur Club on Instagram. Um, that's my business. I have two partners, Dame and DJ Payne One, and, you know, we, we try to educate uh, people on the music business. So there's a lot of value in it. I also have, like, free sample packs, free, uh, free beats. If you're an artist, like, just hit me up. Go to my Instagram, and you can find all that. Kato, man, like I say, you, you're going to have to come back on here, my brother. We're going to have to do this Absolutely. again, man. We definitely got to do this again. Um, I, I want to um, wish you more success on your journey and your path, man. More blessings, more success. Again, Thank for me and the bro. Vibe team, man, I am truly grateful for any of your time, man. I, I'm just, I'm really, really thankful, my brother, man. Man, I appreciate you. Let's do it again soon, man. Absolutely. We're definitely going to do it again soon. Um, it's the Vibe Show Podcast with your boy Kano the Don, the Vibe King, and my special guest. This guy's a king, man, and definitely necessary out here in our entertainment culture, man, and in our entertainment world. He's definitely necessary, the one and only Kato. Much love, my sure. brother. I appreciate you, bro. Thank you.